lot harder to be up here. Mine is a journey. I didn't automatically get, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have any examples. We didn't even go to church. And this was in the 50s. I was born in 46. And uh, we were the odd man out. Everybody went to church just about. And so I was the little girl that stayed at home watching everybody get in their cars all dressed up and stuff. So that's kind of where my life started. But you know, God says that his very handiworks, the very earth, speak of him. And that's one of my earliest memories. When, and these thoughts that I'm sharing today are ones that have gone through my mind dozens and dozens of times through the years. But my earliest memory that there was a God was probably about fifth grade. And we lived in South Dakota. And there was a big old weeping willow tree. And it went all the way to the ground. And it was a favorite place to go. It was peaceful. You could just crawl under there. Nobody could see you. And I loved to sit underneath the weeping willow tree. But the book was even better. And one day I was sitting there. And all of a sudden, and, and this is what I want you to see. God is always calling us. I don't care what your age is. I don't care if you're a newborn. He's calling us, and he's calling us to himself. And I cannot explain it, except for all of a sudden, I knew there was a God. And I knew that this wasn't an accident, that the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything were created by God. That's kind of where it ended. But that's my earliest memory of believing that there was a God. My second one was actually uh, living in the same place. I was in South Dakota, and it was probably somewhere between sixth and seventh grade that summer, in between the two grades, because I was 12 years old, and so maybe you think about it. But a friend of mine went to a Methodist church, and if any of you have anything you know about a Methodist church, they go through a catechism at age 12, and that is their membership into the church, is to go through this catechism class. And this friend of mine invited me to go to catechism. It was about two weeks long. We went a half a day each day. And you just learn to catch him. There is a God. He created the earth. He had a son. You know, all the facts, a long list of them, and you learn to recite them. And the one thing that happened to me that year, that summer, was I did believe it all, okay? But a very important thing was left out by this minister or pastor. I think they call them ministers in the Methodist church. And I'm going to talk to you about that later because somebody else did the same thing to me much later with some consequences to it. But um, no personal belief. But I believed all these facts that they taught us. They stayed in me. I did believe there was a God. I did believe that he created the earth. And I believed that his son came and died for me. But that was it. During that time, that summer, my dad was gone. He went to Korea for 13 months. My mom was left with five kids and pregnant and she had her number six while dad was in Korea. But a very interesting th thing happened on, on the way to Korea is while he was there, he met some missionaries and they set out to, to witness to him and to win him to the Lord. And my dad got saved while he was in Korea. He didn't tell us much about it. He, you know, he mentioned the missionaries and stuff. My dad was kind of a private person for the most part. And so he didn't say a lot about it because we got recordings. We, did, we didn't have phone calls then. We had recordings we sent back and forth to each other. And so he just told us about meeting these missionaries and stuff. But we got a shock when he came home from Korea. <laughs> After 13 months, um, the only thing my dad got through 
He didn't know anything about discipling, nothing. But he sure had a list of things we weren't to do and the things we were going to do. <laughs> and so our introduction to our dad was like getting brand new dad. And I can't tell you that all of us liked it. It was just kind of a shock, what all the things, I won't go into it, but that first day home was like not what we expected when daddy got home. But we went back to Korea with him. And uh, he was determined to get us going to church every Sunday. And we went to the base chapel. And preacher may know something about the base chapel. It's nothing for the most part. At least we never had anyone that really preached. It was just, I don't know, feel good sermons is what I remember. But the really interesting part about it is the Korea, Korea was starting to go through a revival at this time when I was in Korea. And they're still going through it, believe it or not. South Korea is still going through it. But at that time, if you worked, if you uh, on base, then you could come on base on Sunday and go to church. And they were hungry for the gospel. And these young Korean girls would thought you walked everywhere on base. You didn't drive hardly. But they would follow us home from church. And they would start asking me questions about Jesus and how to get saved and a few other things like that. And I was like terrified. I says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't getting it anywhere. But I remember that because it still was a plant. You see, all these little things that happened to me along the way were God's design to place seeds in my heart. But they took a while. Uh, the missionaries, though, that my dad had led my dad to the Lord, we did get to know them and spent a lot of good times at their house. Uh, usually about at least once a month we'd go out. <clears throat> anyway, they lived on the shore, and so we were out there. They lived on a bay and had a lot of fun swimming and stuff like that. And, of course, my dad would just talk to the missionary, you know, trying to find out things. And so we heard things, and I became friends with their oldest daughter. I do not think that um, she was probably saved. I don't know, because she taught me a lot of things about just what to do, you know, doing right. But again, they left out a very important part. Every step of my way, it seemed like there was a part that was missing. And it took me a long time to figure out what it was. Uh, then, um, let me see. I got lost here. Oh, then we moved, my dad retired after Korea, and we moved back to Michigan, which is our home base. This is probably the one few places that I was introduced somewhat to the Lord. My sisters and I have said for a long time, my, our grandmother prayed for us, you know, and we are all saved today because of my grandmother's prayers. And grandma wasn't a witness that just passed out tracts or gave us a Bible or preached to us. But when we were home, my parents may not go to church. And I don't know what happened. My parents never shared. But going to church was out of their life. But it was not out of my, my grandparents' life. So I don't know what happened there. But mom made, or my grandmother made sure that our little, the little ones all went to church with her. She had one of the first bus routes. She would cram all of us into her car and take us to Sunday school, drop us off. We were left alone. And they expected to behave. And then she'd go back and pick, pick up a bunch of little old ladies around that she brought with her. And so this, she had this double uh, bus route that she ran every Sunday when we were home. So I had a little bit of introduction. While we were in Michigan, I did two, my last two years of school there in Michigan. And the pastor that was in the church at that time, I guess I would call him a wimp. I never... <laughs> 
I never got anything out of anything he talked. I sat under him for two years. I could never tell you anything about getting saved or anything. It was just we attended church. It was the only church in this farming community, a very small town. And looking back, and Dale can tell you, I've said this for years, the biddies said I wasn't going to say that. The older ladies <laughs> of the church ran the church. They told the preacher what to do and what not to do. They just ran the church. And so I got very little out of it during that time, two years in school there and going to church every Sunday. But one thing I did have was a classmate. Uh, we had 37 in our graduating class when I graduated as a senior, big class. But, and out of 35 of them had been going to school together since kindergarten. So needless to say, the two of us who were not part of that crowd weren't the most welcomed. But you know, me, I'm not very shy. And so I made friends. But there was one girl in that class that I've never forgotten. I've talked about her many, many times. Um, she didn't dance and she didn't go to movies. But she was the kindest, sweetest girl that you could ever need. And she didn't know a stranger. She didn't know anyone she couldn't love. That was just her. She was so well loved by the school and by the students of it. They voted her as homecoming queen that year for a dance that she would never go to. She went to the football game and, and did the parade around the queen. But I never forgot her. I never forgot her kindness when so many others would not because we were newcomers. But the way she lived and the peace she had, it always stuck in my mind. You know, I always wondered what was it that was so different about her. Graduation came and went, and this is a place I'm just gonna say, I made a huge mistake. Got married a couple months out of high school, and it turned out to be a total disaster. But even in that, God works in my life. I cannot count. You know, people who know me that I've talked to more, the number of times that God put a wall out and protected me because I was in full-blown rebellion at that time. And, but during that time, an interesting thing happened. A new pastor came into the church and he set that town on fire. Unfortunately, and Dale will mention him a little bit in his presentation, but Reverend Burley literally tore that town up and you either had, a, half of the town was madly in love with him. The church was full to capacity. I wasn't there, but it was full. And, but the other town, the rest of the town hated him. In fact, some of them hated him so bad that he was chased after with a shotgun one day because a daughter of a prominent citizen there got saved and went home and witnessed to her dad. But that didn't bother Reverend Burley at all. And I'll tell you a little funny story, you'll laugh at this, but um, during this period of time, I was out visiting my parents one day and went to church on Wednesday night. This had been my first meeting with Reverend Burley. I realized I'd heard all the gossip. I knew all the stories. I knew what he was bad. And this not so kind teenage girl with a big mouth decided, well, I'm just gonna go tell him. I'm gonna let him know all the places he's wrong and what he's doing to this town. And so when services were over, as Reverend Burley did all the years after that that we knew him, when it was over, he stood on the porch and he greeted everybody. And this spunky little teenage, well, I was probably 19 at this time, 
Anyway, I walked up to him and I just informed him. He held his hand out to me and said, I'm so glad to see you, Cherry. He knew my name. And, uh, and then I proceeded to tell everything that was wrong with him, just repeating all the gossip I'd heard. And you know, that man just held my hand and he says, Cherry, I'm praying for you every week and I love you. And I looked in his face and I knew he meant what he said. And that man prayed for me for a number of years, never knowing, because he eventually left Bath, never knowing if I'd gotten saved or not. And I got an opportunity a few years back. My sister and I went back for a homecoming type thing at, in our hometown. And uh, we, cut, we had to fly in and out of Detroit. <laughs> you know about that? Anyway, so we took our rent car when the, our week was up there. We took the rent car back there. And as soon as we <laughs> had turned in the rent car, went up there, we got kicked off the plane. We were on space available. <laughs> and so we're standing there in Detroit. Our rent car is in. And what do we do now? And she says, Cherry, I heard that Reverend Burley started a church here in Detroit. I wonder if he's still here. So we made a phone call, looked it up in the phone book, and sure enough, he was still there. And he drove out, picked us up, and we didn't know how ill he was. You could tell something was wrong, but he never told us. His daughter and wife told us afterwards, because he died a few months later. But he, he took us out to dinner. He, he just was thrilled to find out that this family that he had prayed for loved I mean, my, my family all loved him. And, uh, and the couple, it just, he, I'll let Dale tell the part about when we were getting married, but you know, he backed Dale and I, and when Dale and I were dating, we went to church there. And he opened up our hearts to the Lord because he told the truth. It took a while, but he told the truth. But the joy we had that night, to be a joy to him, I'll never forget. It's a part of my journey. <laughs> um, the next, during that same time, it was, I, not the same time, but I, I had a rough, about three years. And during that time, my sister came to see me. Um, by this time, this, we're about three years into Reverend Burley being there. And two of my siblings had gotten saved, and Judy was one of them. And now she's determined I'm going to get saved. So she's spending the weekend with me and starts asking me questions. Cherry, do you believe in God? Well, yeah. I it says, well, do you believe that he created the earth? Yes. See, all the same things I learned in catechism class, all being repeated to me a number of years later. And she made the same mistake, never personalizing it. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Both times that was left out of it. But the mistake that did happen from this is I started thinking, well, I'm saved. And I started claiming that. In fact, I was teaching Sunday school. Uh, after Dale and I did, we did, we did meet in Texas. Uh, I went down to Texas. I bring, I'll just throw this in. You throw the Texas in, okay? Anyway, um, but Dale thought I was safe too. <laughs> And uh, I had convinced my sister I was saved. And I thought we began teaching Sunday school very, in our very young Christian life, um, at least his. And uh, I started getting under conviction. You know, when you start opening the scriptures, 
They're pretty, and I had a very good, I, Brother Heavy, I'm sorry, but you would have died if you'd known how long we'd been in the church before they asked us to teach Sunday school. But for us, Dale will tell you, it was one of the best things that could have happened because we had a pastor that encouraged, don't believe anything I say, find it in the Bible. And the uh, Sunday school superintendent mentored and his wife mentored us for the rest of the time. I mean, just they had us over to their house constantly and stuff. Anyway, I'm starting getting under conviction. And the devil starts saying, oh, you can't admit you're not saved. Dale, without his salvation, um, your Sunday school teachers, students without their salvation, so you cannot get saved. You can't, go, you can't admit this, that you're not saved. I struggled for three months without telling us all, miserable. And we went as sponsors to a youth meeting. They had a youth rally every month, and I thought I was going to die. The preacher just tore me up at doing an altar call. I'm, I'm on the altar. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm boohooing. Our pastor comes up and says, Cherry, is there something I can help you with? What is the matter? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And I just kept crying. I wouldn't talk. And uh, invitation was over. They finally gave up waiting for me. <laughs> it was over. And I'm walking around. You know how it is. Everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. And the Sunday school director's wife came up to me. She'd known all along for a long time. And she walked up to me and she says, Cherry, when are you going to give in? She didn't ask me what was wrong. She knew. When are you going to give in and accept the Lord as your Savior? And right there in front of the crowd walking all the way around, I got down on my knees somewhere between the time I said yes in my heart and the time I hit the floor. I know that I got saved somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, and when we got back out on the bus, I told Dale, I said, I've got to get baptized Sunday. He says, you're saved. What do you mean you have to get baptized? And I said, yes, I have to get baptized. I just got saved tonight. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I'll, let, I'll take over. I'll try to think if I left out anything. Just to say, and I, want, I guess this is my challenge. If you're young, realize, and you're not sure about your salvation, God speaks to you every inch of the way. You don't have to be 17 or 15 or 2 or God speaks to you. I think it's a matter of when we finally say yes to him. And if you have proclaimed to be saved, I pray that, and you know you're not, I pray that you'd come forth and accept the Lord as your Savior. Okay. Well, I hadn't, I didn't know exactly what all she was going to say. So I'll try to dovetail into some of that. But to start off, in the beginning, uh, I, was, I was raised in a good home. I had good parents. They raised me with Christian values. They took me to church, well, Sunday school, and they, um, they raised me upright. But we went to one of those mainline denominational churches and learned all the, the Christian stories. And I don't recall ever in that church in all the years that I went there ever hearing the word salvation or the idea of a personal relationship with God. It just wasn't there, even though I was raised in that church. Okay, and when uh, I entered college, um, I got wound up getting sent to Texas. And I was rooming with some other guys, 
there were three of us there who were sophomores and one who was a senior. And in November of 1965, this guy who was a senior said, uh, hey, there's uh, a meeting down at the Astrodome. Well, hey, immediate attention. There's this guy who's going to be speaking, and I'd never heard of him, had no idea what the presentation was going to be. But, hey, we were the foursome, so we went down there. And uh, that's where I first heard the gospel, and it really confused me. Um, the guy's name was Billy Graham, and he kind of messed with my mind a little bit. But it was a one-time exposure. Uh, I didn't make any decisions or anything like that. I just found it very interesting. Fast forward for about two years, and I met Cherry. <laughs> and... Uh, here in Texas, we began dating. Time for me to go back to Ohio, and I did, and she decided she was gonna go back to Michigan. So dating took on a 330 mile one-way trip. But when I would go up to see her and stay at her folks' house, uh, I'd go to church with them. And Reverend Burley, who Cherry's already introduced you to, he was something else. I think he even made Billy Graham look a little bit on the mild side. Um, but you could, you could just, you just knew he was genuine. And uh, so after Cherry and I got married, we moved to Texas. We asked Reverend Burley for some recommendations on churches to attend. Didn't ask him for any of the kind that uh, I grew up in because he wouldn't have known those anyway. But uh, so he, he sent us up with a list of churches and we moved down here, moved into an apartment in Webster, started attending some of the churches on his list. And back in that day, when you uh, attended a, a Baptist church on Thursday night, you got a return visit. And Thursday night, after Thursday night, after Thursday night, one church or another, or something, you know, repetition of people would come. <clears throat> Try to reason with me, but remember, I'm an engineer. I'm, I'm looking for the proof. I want the facts. Don't give me all this th theoretical pie-in-the-sky stuff. And so I was resistant, but they kept coming back. And in December of 1969, Cherry and I had been married for about six months. Uh, Reverend Bill Lyles from First Baptist Church of Webster came with one of his men, Don Skelton. And they went through the same old thing. And I'm sitting there, and they finally kind of ran out of gas. So the preacher didn't say anything. Don hadn't said much at all while the preacher was talking. But he said, finally, uh, when the preacher fell silent, he said, you know what your problem is? I said, no, what? He said, you can't believe it's so easy. Well, that's a true statement. Salvation is easy, okay? It's not an engineering problem. It's not a math problem to be solved. Salvation is easy enough for a child. And I was struggling with that. And the Holy Spirit went. And a preacher said, would you like to be saved? And after all that discussion, I just said, yes. So in our apartment in Webster on a Thursday night, I accepted the Lord. And the Lord has really led us in many interesting paths. We, uh, we joined a church. Uh, served there for about 15 years, uh, 
good, good church, good pastor. Um, and about 10 years into that, uh, he took another church and we had a new pastor came in and that's a whole nother story. But, um, after that, the Lord gave us another church, one that was really on fire, doing real good, good preaching and everything else. Um, a lot of good, solid people. And we were there for nine years. And then the Lord said, kind of stirred and said, time to move. Didn't necessarily understand it. Didn't have any place in mind. But we, we learned some people, about some people. And so we started attending a couple of different churches. And one of them was... North Bell Baptist. <laughs> so we've been here ever since. Um, we enjoy the solid preaching. Um, we enjoy the good fellowship, the good people, like-minded people who are so hard to find. You all know that we are involved in the political scene uh, up in Montgomery County. And almost everyone there says, oh yeah, we're saved. But you look at some of the lifestyles and you say, I don't know where you got saved, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. But we've really been blessed since we've been here. Thankful to the hubbies for their leadership and for the solid preaching, the examples that they live and the, uh, the preaching that they give. And we are just thanking the Lord for the path that he brought us as you can tell, I still remember the names of people who were instrumental in my salvation. And uh, I'm sure that those of you who have accepted the Lord, you can name some names as well. Just lift them up to the Lord in thanksgiving.